the Trump administration stood up and shut down this socialist corrupt dictatorship. Dictator like Maduro. The Maduro regime. The Maduro regime. The Maduro mafia. The illegitimate regime of Nicolas Maduro. Your authoritarian president, Nicolas Maduro. Former President Maduro's illegitimate rule. Welcome to Boys Go to Baghdad. I'm Naomi Caravani. I'm joined by my co-host, Michelle Greenstein. Howdy, howdy. We're joined by a very special guest today, Kate Pritzker. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Naomi. What's up? Thanks Welcome. for joining us. You're our yeah, first thanks guest. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You're... <laughs> that's pretty cool. I feel honored. Um, we're here to talk about something that's been happening in the news lately. A little coup that the U.S. is brewing. Just a little one. This is, yeah. For once, it's not a military coup, and you got to give the U.S. props for diversifying its portfolio. <laughs> Trump Wait, so when are you going to come on a cabin trip with me? Um, anytime. All right, well, that was Patreon. that conversation. Com slash boys go to Baghdad backslash forward slash asterisk asterisk hashtag sun question mark at sign dollar sign percentage yuan symbol because fuck hegemony backslash www.backslash.creedthoughts.org.gov slash Boys go to Baghdad cabin trip, and you can that. donate to our getaway. <laughs> so on January twenty third, uh, coincidentally the date of our cabin trip, Trump recognized Guaido. <laughs> on January the twenty third, President Trump officially recognized the president of the Venezuelan National Assembly, Juan Guaido, as the interim president of Venezuela. Um, but yeah, crazy, crazy news out of Venezuela for the past few weeks. You have this man named Juan Guaido declaring himself to be the new interim president. Doesn't really matter that he wasn't actually elected in a presidential election. You know, that doesn't really matter. What does matter is that Washington immediately endorsed this dude. The Venezuelan foreign minister said, quote, first of all, it is interventionism to the highest degree. Secondly, it is arrogant. And thirdly, it is artificial. He said, for once, the U.S. is not behind the coup as they usually are in Latin America. They're actually in front of it because you do see, you know, John Bolton coming out and literally saying, what we want is Venezuela's oil. So, Juan Guaido, you know, declares himself president. The first thing he does is he immediately asks for IMF funds to finance his new government. <laughs> I'd like a check, yeah. <laughs> and, like, if that isn't the biggest fucking I mean, red flag that this was, you know, spawned by Washington from the beginning... Uh, I love how he's like first day on the job. He didn't really do anything yet, but he's still asking for a check. So Pompeo was like Maduro is, quote, profoundly corrupt. The Venezuelan people have suffered long enough. And he's like, Maduro, you got to step aside and favor a legitimate leader, legitimate TM, of course, because <laughs> Maduro was elected. And he's like, this dude does not reflect the will of the Venezuelan people. You know who does, though? A dude that 81% of Venezuelans hadn't heard of until now. You know, there's, this has been a, at least a two year long process. Like this is not coming out of nowhere. And uh, you could argue it's also like a decades long process. Uh, the U.S. has been trying to undermine Venezuela's sovereignty since 2002. And, um, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of factors at play. Um, obviously, like Venezuela is a, a huge oil bearing country. Um, and they, ha they have a, uh, heavy crude oil, which is, is um, you know, a hard commodity to come by. But there's also the fact that Venezuela is one of the few um, socialistic or social democracies in Latin America left. There's uh, Venezuela and Bolivia, really. 
And, uh, you know, the United States has been fighting communism since 1945. And, mm-hmm. yeah. um, it's something we never get sick of. No. You know, it's like, it's just the game we love to play. Mm-hmm. They've been building this narrative, like I said, for years that Venezuela is this uh, dictatorship where people have no rights and uh, people are eating each other and they're eating their pets. Eating rats. Eating rats. It's great. People will like believe anything about Venezuela. What if I have salmon for pets, though? (laughs) (laughs) The suffering is real, and it's been cultivated by the United States. And that's you know what's brilliant about U.S. regime change operations is they are conducted over you know multiple years. And this narrative that Maduro is this uh, dictator that's starving his people has been cultivated over years. So now at this point in 2019. you know, Trump was able to declare Juan Guaido president of Venezuela, and like a lot of people are going along with it. So, you know, when you ask, like, what are people thinking? They're thinking, oh, like, you know, I don't agree with Trump on everything, but uh, he is taking care of this dictator that I've been reading about for the last two years, and he's starving his people, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they people have been primed for this. So, Guaido, this dude who, until very recently, 81% of Venezuelans did not know about, he fucking disappeared. He, he wasn't like it's it's so funny for yeah someone he has to hide to be fucking president and claims to represent the popular will of the people you think he'd be out interacting with the people or some shit no he literally no one fucking saw him one way though was speaking to an opposition march in the east of the city uh in the middle class eastern part of the city when he made this self uh swear he sw- self-swore himself in as president of venezuela though there are you know among the six million people who voted for president nicolas maduro evidently there is you know a, a sense of of rejection and and confusion of how this previously unknown figure who was just elected by the National Assembly on the 5th of January and was unknown to the country beforehand, who won 97,000 votes in 2015, but has not otherwise won an election, is now the president of the country. And it's important to note that after his announcement, Guaido literally disappeared and was not seen in public until today when he's giving his press conference now, which is a strange behavior for someone who is now supposedly the president of the country. So Guaido self-declares himself to be president during a street demonstration. Trump immediately recognizes this dude. Guaido targets the state oil company. He moves to privatize it, of course, coincidentally what Washington wants to do. That's so, that's so, oh, that's so cute. That's so weird how that lined up like that. He attempted to fire the directors of Sitgo, which is owned by PDVSA, which is Venezuela's oil company, and tried to appoint his own board. Um, and Sitco is like basically Venezuela's most important company. He tried to appoint a whole new board. So the fact that that happened within hours of his, you know, quote unquote presidency, I think is very telling. That shows. But could he fire the executives at Sitco? But he can't yeah. really do that, no, right? The Vene- like- Venezuela appoints the board of directors of Sitco. So that's one major like thing is that right now the board of Sitco is appointed by the Maduro government. So it makes sense that this is being targeted. Um, and and that's what makes it a delicate economy, right? Well, that's what makes it very much subject right now to the whims of the oil Washington because Washington. for so long, you know, Washington really had this monopoly on the oil trade. Everyone's been using the petrodollar. What? They, Washington monopoly on oil? No, we would never do, sorry, I meant democracy <laughs> on oil. Oh, de- <laughs> monopoly on democracy. But I mean, look, the fact that Guaido immediately calls for the privatization of the fucking oil should show that this is not... This was not a coup for democracy, you know? This was a mm-hmm. coup for fucking oil. Venezuela has the largest oil reserves 
in the world. Venezuela has 24.9% of proven crude oil reserves. Saudi Arabia is second, so this is more than Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, they only have 21.9%. <laughs> The Trump administration's strategy really seems to be um, using this fake-ass government to deny the real-ass government, the government of Maduro, the oil revenue that the United States obviously wants. Mm -hmm. So we've effectively seized like $7 billion in uh, state oil company assets. Um, this obviously, you know, there are no bullets coming from the U.S. military directly, but this is basically an act of war. You know, but yeah, rock. it's in our interest to create, uh, an, you know, to create violence within Venezuela so Maduro looks bad and we can justify him getting out of power. And we do that by, by these uh, sanctions, which are a tool of war and make people suffer. But yeah, it's funny. Uh, Trump was asked, like, are you considering military options against Venezuela? And he said, we're not considering anything, but all options are on the table. We're not considering anything, but all options are on the table. 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 And that's Vice President Mike The U.S. is basically trying to replace a legitimate government. But let's take a step back. So before we get to Guaido, this dude uh, who Pompeo accidentally called Juan Guido. Uh, the interim president Juan Guido will have the resources he needs to lead the uh, government of Venezuela forward. We'll take anyone. Yeah. Guido, Guillermo, what do you <laughs> got? <laughs> but I also think it may be a fucking psyop. A, let's now focus on that and laugh on that and not focus on the fucking, like, U.S.-backed coup. No, I think but it's definitely incompetence. A fuck they up. don't even... But I think it's also to be like, oh, the CIA... Oh, Juan Guaido... Uh, very interesting. We've never heard of this man until now. We definitely weren't yeah. propelling him this entire time. Like, I, I don't know. I think it might have been kind I of think a it up could to have make been it look anyone. like the CIA didn't know about this guy until just now. Mm, yeah, I think you're thinking too deeply. I think he I just was hungry, <laughs> and he was thinking about Italian food, and Guido came out. Uh, the interim president won Guido. But before we get to Guido and this fake-ass president, who, by the way, U.S. educated, he went to GW in Washington, D.C. Like, I want to be an adult, but still in a frat, so... I want to be in a frat for my entire life. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, I went to the Elliott School of International Affairs, which is... A, Ooh, fancy. Like, yeah. Is that fancy? Oh, it's a particularly, like, twisted and fucked up place. I'm Dean Brigady, Dean of the Elliott School. We have the best location of any foreign affairs school on the planet. I could kick a football from my office and hit the State Department just across the street. I called it the school to CIA or school to State Department pipeline for a reason, because every single professor there is, like, State Department or CIA, but... I like how you're probably being investigated by the CIA, so it's either you join them or you, <laughs> or you're you beat by them. Yeah. Just steps away from the White House, the State Department, the World Bank, and many other government agencies make Elliott an ideal gateway for our students as well as our faculty, many of whom are policy practitioners, consultants, and government advisors. Um, GW is is really. Um, I didn't enjoy my time there. The mascot is a, a colonial. Like in a the pilgrim. Sports, 
No, like George Washington. Oh. Um, who was a colonist, and every year when they would bring in the sports season, they would have this thing called colonial invasion to give you an idea of what the nature of the school oh is. Oh my god! But it, it's that's basically... so funny. Wait, no. and it, oh, so yeah, no, they... would they like? play cowboys and indians like what was it yeah, like actually so they would have people dressed as like colonizers or like american colonists run through like one of those paper banners like jump through the banner and start like running around i don't know if they had guns or not but uh yeah like that basically sums up gw like every like 90 percent of the people that go there want like a job in politics or like ngos or like finance or something and they all have very um, you know, mainstream, uh, safe views on foreign policy, all aligned with with the State Department. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of critical thinking. There's uh, there there was actually um, an incident in the '70s or maybe it was the '60s when the Young Americans Foundation or the Young America Foundation was informing on campus leftist groups, the progressive student. Holy union, shit, really? Of. They were informing on the PSU to the CIA. Um, wow. And GW was also the site of several like anti-communist research institutes. Uh, they tested weapons in one of the buildings. Yeah, so GW's always had like a really... They tested a weapon in one of the buildings? Yeah, they had like they a They were like, it's going to be a different kind of frat night tonight. Or <laughs> yeah. like... Let's break out the art- artillery gun boys. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you survive this, you can join us. Mm. Which is basically hazing. I mean, people do die while they yeah, drink Yeah, yeah, people do die. Um, but yeah, GW has a very intimate relationship with the U.S. government. And a lot of the students that go there want to become a part of the government. So when I heard Juan Guaido is from GW, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I feel like I met a lot of Juan Guaidos mm-hmm. at GW. Mm. Yeah. You know? Huh. Uh, Sigmund Rhee, the dictator, the U.S.-appointed dictator of the Republic of Korea, South Korea, went to GW. Wow. He, he, he murdered a lot of people, yeah. It's a training ground for, for killers, much like School of America's. Another freshman goes missing at GW, so we'd like to congratulate. <laughs> <laughs> so before this fratty-ass uh, GW grad declares himself president, way before that, we already had the military coup of 2002. Uh, on April 12th, the Bush administration literally supported this military coup that got rid of Chavez, um, Chavez, of course, you know, was well known for breaking ties. But how did that bank. coup go? It was a military coup, so they like... Basically, you know, we had opposition snipers on rooftops. They literally kidnapped Hugo Chavez. And then, ironically, they went to every media station in the country afterwards and afterwards and forced them not to show the military coup. They made them show, like, cooking shows instead. So, uh, <laughs> as a side note... There's cooking shows. He's like, Anything and now you take your pasta. Don't look behind you. There's a sniper. <laughs> but now just strain the pasta. Maybe duck. Maybe. <laughs> but it's funny because you hear so much about like, oh, Maduro is silencing journalists and like, you know, Venezuela doesn't let journalists operate. But like the opposition literally went to every media station and forced them not to show this military coup. So this a coup- bomb goes up. Oh. Then my quiche must be done. (laughs) (laughs) That's my quiche. It's not a coup. (laughs) I'm kind of hungry. Quiche. Now that I said quiche. Quiche ain't vegan, girl. It shouldn't make you hungry. Girl, you can make anything vegan. So 
This military coup gets rid of Chavez, right? Um, the opposition immediately does away with 49 pieces of social uh, legislation. So, you know, if Maduro ends up being toppled, it's likely that this new neoliberal government is going to do the same. Chavez, of course, was elected on a socialist platform. Um, and until Chavez, like, the country was basically controlled by a handful of dun -dun -dun -dun, oligarchs, white well, oligarchs, backed. mostly US, white. US exactly. Backed. Um, so what's funny about this coup, you were and like, how did they do yeah, it? But it was during the Cold War, so the U.S. has all kinds of dictators in Latin America that we're supporting, we you know, with very brutal what? policies. We we'll get into, you We know, don't support Guam. dictators. <laughs> Guac, soft, dictators big are dictators. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> um, yeah, so we have U.S.-backed, uh, 2002 oligarchs coup. running uh running the country right. until up to Hugo Chavez. Right. So this was a big change. So you asked like how did they do that, right? And I think that's a good question because it was an unsuccessful coup. It lasted for literally 2 days. Um masses of people demanded the restoration There's of Chavez. footage of CNN like reporting oh like uh thousands of people are out in the streets like cheering that uh Chavez was arrested and he's in prison now and as more and more people started to funnel in and join the rally outside of the prison he was being held in it became more obvious that they were like wanting Chavez was, to return exactly and then they changed their story so Chavez was elected according to the Carter Center you know like a western organization in uh 1999 and 2000 and they called it the freest and fairest elections they'd ever monitored um you know in under the chavez government like venezuela cut poverty they expanded social programs they uh introduced like healthcare clinics and education centers into the poorer areas of the country and then of course most significantly uh chavez wanted to kick out the u.s oil companies one of his main platforms was encouraging solidarity with the global south he was like fuck the world bank fuck the imf um, he, at the UN, he literally called George Bush Satan. Yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, from this rostrum, the President of the United States, the gentleman to whom I refer as at the devil, came here talking as if he owned the world. Truly, as the owner of the world. I think we could call a psychiatrist to analyze yesterday's statement made by the President of the United States. As the spokesman of imperialism, he came to share his nostrums to try to preserve the current pattern of domination, exploitation, and pillage of the peoples of the world. An Alfred Hitchcock movie could use it as a scenario. I would even propose a title, The Devil's Recipe. Fast forward to 2013, Chavez dies of cancer. Some people allege that the U.S. had to do with his death. Um, that's maybe a story for another time. At that point, he had already won six elections, you know, uh, broken ties with the IMF and the World Bank, worked with other Latin America countries, Latin American countries to create what, what he called the Bank of the South. So it, he was very much, um, you know, encouraging solidarity 
with other victims of U.S. imperialism. So after he dies, Maduro, who came from the same party, uh, the PSUV, won his election. International observers said that this was a fair election again. So, you know, when you hear Western corporate media claiming that he's a dictator, it, it, it's very much agenda-driven. And when people are telling you that the Maduro government is illegitimate or that it's a regime, ooh, a brutal regime, don't we love saying brutal regime? Um, or that a brutal it's not- regime is when you just eat egg whites. <laughs> yeah, but Maduro is actually very pro-yoke, and this is something yeah. that, I mean, like and share if you're sick and tired of the media bias against Maduro's egg policy. So when someone is telling you that Maduro is a dictator, they're either intentionally trying to misinform you because they have an agenda, or they've sadly been duped into supporting imperialist policies uh, by the Western corporate media or by these politicians who obviously have an agenda um, to execute. So in 2014, the price... Mm. Crack open a cold oil rig. <laughs> yeah. In 2014, the price of oil dropped drastically. Um, and of course, Venezuela's economy is based on oil funding a lot of these social programs. So that obviously hurt them a lot. Um, why did the price of oil drop? Because the U.S. pressured Saudi Arabia to overproduce oil. They intentionally wanted to hurt these oil-based economies like Venezuela and like Russia and Iran. Um, and in response, you know, the economy was so heavily based on oil that this really affected the country. The opposition started waging war and there were these huge street clashes in 2014. Then in 2015, following this period of insane violence, the opposition won the National Assembly election. Um, overall, they, you know, are against uh, the Maduro government's social programs. They're, it's a very uh, neoliberal Party. They want to have a relationship with the U.S. They openly called for the military to rise up against Maduro. They were burning people alive in the streets. They love burning down things. They did a lot of burning down. Um, they burned down government buildings. Basically, it was hashtag destabilization. They they also set they set people they suspected of being chavistas on fire, but they they chose people that were Afro Venezuelan because the the bulk of you know, Afro-Venezuelans don't support the opposition. They support uh, PSUV. They support, right. they support um, you know, the party of Chavez, who was an Afro-Venezuelan and part indigenous. So, um, exactly. You like know, the... they're, they're also racist. And oh, you, you mean look... like Elizabeth Warren? Yeah, indigenous. yeah. Indigenous. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, child for indigenous. But there was actually, I was told that there was a, there's a photo circulating around and, you know. As a monkey? You, you, no, no, no. You should, yeah, okay, well, that's another thing. The the opposition... We'll get to the monkey. Right, but um, there, there's a photo circulating around the internet um, that's just the National Assembly and the Constituent Assembly juxtaposed. And the National Assembly, which is supported by the opposition, is like Snow White. Um, and then the, the Constituent Assembly, which is uh, controlled by Maduro supporters, is, you know, diverse... Um, has many Afro-Venezuelans, has indigenous people, has uh, uh, darker-skinned people. But, um, yeah, point being, the, you know, the opposition is also very racist in its character. That's very true. The opposition tends to be, like, obviously wealthier and white, whereas the Chavistas tend to be um, darker because they come from the more poor rural areas. But Guaido is kind of tan. That might be one of, like, the interesting aspects is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the opposition has to realize that they do do represent a a racial or, like, um, 
you know, a minority of, um, you know, the complexion of the country, and they may have picked uh, Juan Guaido because he is Afro-Venezuelan. Uh, um, he's you know, their Obama. Be- I also think that the race aspect is why you see Washington kind of trotting out Marco Rubio as, like, another talking head for this regime change operation because he's like, oh, like, I am Latino. Like, you can trust me. Like, no, like, he's obviously another, you know, neocon. He does kind of look like Marco Rubio. They're like, we have a mold that fits. So, yeah, Yeah, he does look like he's 13. I think he looks like Marco Rubio in the sense that they both look like opportunistic pieces of shit. Wow, shots fired. Not literally, because right now we're just funding the opposition. We're not actually going in with military shots fired. We don't have guns. So, yeah. Uh, But speaking of the opposition, you know, brilliant saint angels, they are sangels, if you will. Um, In the summer of 2017, they literally attacked the Supreme Court with grenades. Yeah, that's one way to get a decision. Quicker. Like, can you imagine if the the Democrats, like, did that to the Republicans here or some shit? Like, Oh, we'd I don't, never I, hear the end of it. You, we would never hear the end of it. You know, I don't like the Democrats at all, but I'm just trying to think of like the main... Remember that time <laughs> that like... the Democrats stooped to the grenades? It's and... like that baseball game where the congressman oh, got shot at. Yeah. Like, they don't I shut don't up know, about Republicans that. Republicans don't bring that up as much as they should. Yeah. They should be like, oh, remember that time you, you, you literally had a guy come shoot at us? I <laughs> yeah. feel like they really milked it when it happened. Though. Oh, no, uh, they, oh, did. Sure they, they did. They did. I, I don't really remember it. I, it was recently. But it was like a year it, ago or two. To be honest, if I were Steve Scalise, I would I would be bringing that up all the time. Oh, my it's God. Like, I, at least I didn't send a fucking shooter to the basement. <laughs> it's like you take out the trash. Well, <laughs> honey. I'm uh, still recovering. <laughs> yeah. Was that was that you who was shot baseball. out of baseball? <laughs> yeah. The most American sport ever. Yeah, the opposition uh, overall, like they're very much not uh, playing a fair game. Um, they're very violent. They're also very, uh, I was going to say discombobulated. I just want to say like disunited. Yeah, d- disorganized. Exactly. The fact is, is that at every turn, the Maduro government has been making these concessions that it doesn't need to make with the opposition. They keep saying that they're willing to sit down. It's the opposition that is not willing to sit down. Um, yeah. Maduro's term, so in Venezuela, presidential terms are six years. Um, Maduro's term, his latest term was supposed to go on until 2019. But because there was all this violence in recent years and all that unrest, Maduro was like, okay, fine, like, let's have another election Um, before his term was over. So just like side note, what kind of fucking dictator holds an election when he doesn't have to? You know what I'm saying? So that just goes to show that like... But you could say it's showmanship and it was rigged and there were opposition actually... um, you know, what do you abstain from voting? Yeah, you could say it was showmanship for sure. That's a good point to make. But the fact is, the op- opposition then boycotted the election. <laughs> Next on Broadway, <laughs> the election. The election. But international observers came and said this election was legit. Good so- show. Not, not only not only did international observers come. The reason the international observers came is because Maduro was like, I don't give a shit. He invited all the international observers into Venezuela, and then they said it was legit. So in January of 2018, Guaido was elected as head of the National Assembly. And of course, when the opposition, uh, you know, took power or, you know, declared themselves to be in power and released this transition plan, uh, Washington basically set up these conditions for further intervention that now we're seeing materialize. So 
Um, they said, you know, we're prepared to put more sanctions on Venezuela, like a full embargo of U.S. imports of Venezuela's crude if Maduro's standoff with Guaido escalates. And it's like, of course it was going to escalate. You know, someone who was not president is declaring himself to be president. So it's kind of the thing where we have the self-fulfilling prophecy of like, well, if Maduro doesn't, you know, stand down, then we're going to have to go in. And then Maduro obviously doesn't stand down. And then we go, well, now it's time to go in. Uh, today, and I'll turn the... Uh podium over to Steven Mnuchin for this purpose. We're going to announce sanctions against Petroleus de Venezuela, Sociedad Anima, or PDVSA, as it's known by its Spanish acronym, the state-owned oil monopoly. Uh, we expect, and Secretary Mnuchin will go into this in more detail, that today's measure uh, totals $7 billion in assets blocked today, plus over $11 billion in lost export proceeds over the next year. Effective immediately, uh, any purchases of Venezuelan oil by U.S. entities, money will have to go into blocked accounts. Citgo assets in the United States will be able to continue to operate, provided that any funds that would otherwise go to PDVSA instead will go into a blocked account in the United States. It's just like, we get it. You guys want the oil. You don't have to like go through this game anymore. Yeah, but they don't even they don't even need the oil. That's the thing. It's it's just that Venezuela is unaligned exactly. with the U.S. The U.S. doesn't actually like need this oil to survive. Like we don't need it for energy. Um, but in terms of maintaining a unipolar order, we do. We need all the oils. You know, mm -hmm. coconut, palm, sunflower, sunflower uh, rosehip seed, olive, avocado. Hemp seed, sesame, nose uh, sesame. I said sesame. Fuck. And of course, we want to prevent the reemergence of Russia. Uh, we want to prevent the emergence of China. So obviously, we're trying to weaken Maduro, just like we weaken Chavez. So this is very clearly about oil when it comes from Washington. I saw a really amazing tweet. Um, well, excuse me. I saw a really amazing screenshot <laughs> of a tweet on Instagram. It was like Venezuela. The U.S. wants our oil. The U.S. We want Venezuela's oil. Liberals. It's not about the oil. It's about democracy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that one, too. That was I, so funny. I really think that sums it up. But this is why the claims that uh, Juan Guaido and the opposition are all about democracy and that Washington is trying to spread, you know, humanitarian values is total bullshit because the opposition, as seen in their transition plan, it's just about neoliberal economics. Like, this is not about democracy. They're neoliberal banking bitches. This is all about privatization and deregulation, and it's all about privatizing the state-owned assets that the Bolivarian Revolution made state-owned. So Maduro is the president right now, though Wikipedia says so it's contested. Yeah, I love how <laughs> Wikipedia, like, immediately changed it. It's not just a coup. But it's Wikipedia, too. And Wikipedia is definitely a tool for the U.S. oligarchy. We could maybe do an episode on that, that it's very much aligned with interventionism and imperialism. I know and it's a tool hard. For the ruling class. I know it's hard to accept because Wikipedia was there for you in high school, in college. School, in college, <laughs> during your professional career. And, and now they betrayed you. It is really hard to accept because most of us use Wikipedia for the for the things like, oh, you know, what was this date? Or like, who's the president of this country? Simple things that the quote unquote non-controversial things. 
But then when it comes to something important like the U.S. rubber stamping a right-wing coup in Venezuela, we'll defer to it because, oh, it told me the right birthday of Barack Obama or uh-huh. it told me, like, what year the French Revolution was. And every time we search a mundane thing on Wikipedia, we reinforce this notion that it is an objective, reliable source. Oh, it's, um, By the way, if anyone re- wants to write a Wikipedia page for Naomi Caravani, she would appreciate cough, it. Cough, cough, As we tear that. down this platform yeah. and delegi- delegitimize it, I'd like to... <laughs> I'd also like a page. One, so Juan Guaido on the Wikipedia page was named the president of Venezuela. Hilariously. And, uh, and then it was locked so nobody could edit it. And then, uh, but now it says contested. And then let's talk about Maduro. Like what, what was he all about? Like what, what's his deal? Like, you know, the main Wait. thing that probably salted, uh, Washington's onions is that he was trying to move away from the U.S. petrodollar. Um, Obviously, the U.S. is in direct contradiction with that kind of move. They want to make sure their money remains the dominant global currency. Um, And they also moved to uh, institute a cryptocurrency. Uh, Yeah, so I would say, you know, the petrodollar is, is one... It's one of several factors at play. I think it's a big one um, because Venezuela isn't the only one pushing this 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 move. It's it's really a global trend that all these countries that have been in the crosshairs of the United States are trying to lower their their holdings of U.S. of the U.S. dollar as foreign reserves. They're trying to use other um, currencies as uh, a means of international payment. And this is called de-dollarization. Russia's doing it. China's doing it. India's doing it. Turkey's Turkey's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Why not you? Yeah. How do I get on this de-dollarization? So what Venezuela did is that uh, one of the things it did is it took the dollar off. It took dollar denominations off of its uh, international market. So you could no longer purchase uh, commodities internationally um, using dollars. You can only use euros, yuan. And some other currencies. And another thing they did is uh, create this cryptocurrency called the Petro. And the Petro is, you know, like any other cryptocurrency, it's an electronic means of payment. But um, it's backed by Venezuela's oil wealth. It's gold, aluminum, and steel. So it's backed by tangible assets, unlike Bitcoin, which is, um, you know, it's more of a speculative vehicle for investment. Like people the value of Bitcoin is determined by what people think Bitcoin is worth, but Petro is pegged to the value of oil. So it's it's very stable and basically, you know, the way US sanctions work is uh, they prevent they prevent con- they prevent companies from doing business with Venezuela. If they do business with Venezuela, they're not allowed to uh, transact with US companies and given the size of the US market, no company really wants to do that. So, um, you know, and, and it also prevents um, Venezuela from having access to credit, uh, having access to, to uh, banks and also uh, dollar-denominated uh, loans and things like that. So what Venezuela did is very clever. They basically created an alternative currency, and they're, they're um, hoping, with, uh, they're assuming, which, you know, it's a, it's a fairly good assumption that other countries will also want to accept a cryptocurrency like Petro and will choose to use that to transact instead of the dollar. 
So um, in the future, you know, we may see, uh, say, Turkey, you know, wants to buy Venezuelan oil. They're not going to use U.S. dollars to buy that oil. They'll use Petro. Uh-oh. Which is mm. a problem um, because the U.S. empire is, is uh, you know, part of it is, is really upheld by the, this pillar, the, the petrodollar. But can we roll up a petrodollar and snore cocaine with it? No, you can't. But uh, basically, uh, the, you know, the way the petrodollar system works today is that every international transaction has to be conducted in U.S. dollars. This is the result of a deal that was struck between the United States and, and Saudi Arabia. Henry Kissinger, really, uh, was the one that brokered this deal and got Saudi Arabia to pressure the rest of the OPEC countries to only accept dollars as a means of payment for oil. And the U.S. dollar basically became synonymous with international transactions. So if uh, Japan and Iran are trading, they don't use their domestic currencies, the, the, rent, the, the, rent, the real or the yen, they use U.S. dollars. So that, that creates this artificial demand for U.S. dollars. Every single country in the world has to have a constant supply of U.S. dollars on mm. hand to... Uh, snort their cocaine. To snort their cocaine, to buy oil, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So what Venezuela is doing is significant because they are one of many countries that are moving away from this standard of using the dollar to trade. They're using other currencies like the yuan, like the petro. Um, gold is probably the biggest player. How bad is it if I mispronounced yuan on <laughs> in a report of mine? It's un it's unredeemable. How did oh, you say no. it? What'd you say? I said yuan. That's fine. Thank You're you thinking that. of yuan guaido. <laughs> yuan guaido. <laughs> that's what to slander him. That's what we should call him. Yes, because that's the opposite of what he's all about. He's all about maintaining U.S. hegemony. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like if if um, you know if Venezuela can't use U.S. dollars to sell its oil, it's going to use petro and it's going to use gold and it's going to use yuan and euros, but it's not going to use U.S. dollars, which is that's huge for Venezuela, Russia, Iran, China. You said that they listed their oil prices in the yuan, right? uh, in, in yuan and euros, which is the same thing that Saddam Hussein did in I think November of two thousand two. He mm. listed oil prices in euros. Well, oh fuck! As you know, like their oil is like under control of the government, like you explained. Um, but I think a lot the mistake that a lot of people make is thinking that it's entirely a socialist economy. Um, but in reality, it's like a very mixed economy. You still have, you know, these oligarchs from the revolution was only two decades ago, right? So it, it like. You mm -hmm. still have like a lot of these power factions in the country. There are a lot of monopolies. But also over... in the '60s, they, there were communists in power. True, true. Which Naomi is going to expand upon no. very shortly. <laughs> um, but the fact is, the state does not control that much of the economy, and the sanction thirty percent. Thirty percent, but yeah. people think that it. People like to say like exactly. You know, this is the failure of socialism, right? It's not like. Like, no, this is the failure of a fucking Capitalism. oligarchy. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, and then obviously under Trump, not under Trump, but under Maduro, the Trump sanctions made this problem even worse. Um, the economy was obviously deteriorating. So Maduro, like you said, was like, okay, 
fine. Like, it's time for the fucking euro and the yuan. And then let's investigate these claims that, like, socialism is creating uh, food shortages in Venezuela. Like we touched on in the beginning, people are eating their rats, people are eating their dogs. Um, what you have is a shortage of certain products. Mm. So, like, flour is very scarce. Um, Abby Martin with Empire Files, Abby Martin and Mike Preiser went to supermarkets in Venezuela um, within the year, I believe, or maybe a little over a year ago, they went to all different neighborhoods, all different classes. Um, they found like mad food. But here is the fucked up thing, the corn flour. Exactly, the fucking pre-cooked ass corn flour that's obviously very popular because of arepas in The Venezuela. arepa is, do you know what an arepa is? Yeah, it's like okay. a little. No, I don't. You I don't? don't. <gasps> do you Stop have... everything. We judge. <laughs> the only reason I know is because I had like Venezuelan friends. Um, I, it's I know because I've yeah. eaten food before. Okay, that's what I mean. Um, um yeah, it's yeah, it's basically a pancake. A it's a corn, corn pancake. pancake. It usually has a it. filling with cheese or meat. Okay. Um, and then there's the huarache, which I just love saying, which yeah, is I a giant you... taco. <laughs> it's like this big. It's as big She's as putting her hands out. Right it's now, as big as my big stick. <laughs> <laughs> So Abby Martin went to these supermarkets. She found lots of big sticks. She found fish, vegetables, <laughs> fruit, chocolate, paper towels, but napkins. But not corn flour. But, not, but yeah, there were certain shortages like toilet paper. Ooh, kind of uh, necessity. Um, oil. So they, they wash their ass like the rest of the world. There was a comedian who made a joke about this. Like if you get shit on your sneakers, would you use toilet paper? To wipe it off. That's a really good point. No, no, you would wash it. You would wash it, but you don't wash your asshole in the United States. Everywhere else, you either use a baby wipe or you use a fucking bidet. Kani, or Kani. in <laughs> in <laughs> India, they have hoses. Japanese toilets are great. Yeah, they're so. fantastic. They're heated. They have. The when bidet. I was little, I would like the first time I went to Japan, I was like, ah! <laughs> like I was not having it. <laughs> Okay, Japanese Dude, toilets are lit, but Japanese baths. Show us on the doll where the toilet touched you. <laughs> show us on the dollar. Oh, way to bring it back. While I'm trying to derail it. Uh, can I just say there were short there are shortages of certain products, but also like there are there are complementary or substitute products rather. Like, they don't have toilet paper, but they have paper towels. Exactly. They don't have white sugar, but they have brown sugar. And, yeah, there are lines sometimes for these products of which there are shortages. Toilet paper, like, certain oils, like this pre-cooked corn flour. People um, are poor, but it's not Yemen, you know? I'll tell you this. We're not funding Saudi Arabia's bombing of Venezuela. Yet. But, yeah, side note about Yemen. Yemen imports 90% of its food. Uh, U.S., you know, backed uh, Saudi Air Force's were bombing all of Yemeni, like, ports, bridges, um, all the ways that the food needs to get in the fucking country. That's in addition to bombing the people directly, of course. Well, you don't um, know what they're going to do with that rice. You, know? you don't know what they're going to do with that bridge? They could turn it into grenades. Yeah. <laughs> Grain. Grain. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. We stop here. Thank you, everybody, for here. tuning in. The long and short <laughs> is that it's a manufactured famine. It's man-made. It's U.S.-backed. Back to Venezuela. Right. So, I um, like my famines man-made, actually. I like my famines organic, like, homegrown, also, vegan. They're not, they're not famines. Like, 
you know, that's the thing is like. No oh no, I was talking to... about Yemen. Yeah, uh, there's oh, no oh, famine. Oh, 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 yeah, oh, yeah. oh, 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 yes. No, absolutely. I'm... This scarcity is like being caused basically by these major corporations in Venezuela. So the products that are produced by a lot of farmers, it's funny how we call them products, things like fruits and vegetables, but whatever. The products that are produced by a lot of farmers, there's no shortage. So like you go into the stores, you go into the streets, there's just like lots of different fruits and vegetables because everyone can produce them. But um, fuck fruits and vegetables. Well, it's funny. It, this, this economic war might result in everyone just being healthier. <laughs> They're eating <laughs> less corn flour and more veggies. But the ones that do have a monopoly, Have like you I seen said, my figure since these <laughs> sanctions started? <laughs> Ooh, look at you looking like a victim of a U.S.-led economic war. Okay. Mm. So the products that have a lot of producers, like fruits and vegetables, like there's no fucking shortage of them. But the ones that have monopolies, they can obviously like behave like cartels um so if two or three companies have control over a certain product those are the products uh, coincidentally you happen to see shortages of the shortage of this corn flour has been created by uh the ceo of polar which is this company that um manufactures it lorenzo mendoza is the head of polar he's been proven to be uh actively plotting with the imf and he's a active member of the opposition so this company is basically responsible for main food items like butter, like oil, like this pre-cooked corn flour. Um, just for, as one example, the price of this corn flour raised 3,700% in one year. Like that's not a fucking market at work. That's, that's an intentional market manipulation by, uh, in this case, a member of the opposition. And then of course you have the issue of inflation, which yes, like people love to point to this to say like, oh, there's so much mismanagement, like, you know, socialism is failing in Venezuela. The economic devastation that this socialist government has caused is really quite profound. Socialist policies have turned that nation from being the wealthiest in South America into a state of abject poverty and despair. It's like problem, reaction, solution, right? You manufacture a crisis, and then you say, oh, well, fuck, we gotta do something about this crisis. You know, Trump's gotta step in, right? But, dude, the fucking Trump administration, like, do you really think that these are the people that care about, you know, human lives and, like, food shortages? No, like, Trump obviously wants the oil wealth. And the fact is the Venezuelan people, by and large, understand this. So even though a lot of Venezuelans don't love Maduro, um, they can also at the same time recognize that the U.S. doesn't have their best interests at heart. Um, you know, what were you going to say? If well, I was going to say um, the inflation is also manufactured 100%. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Michelle, you already touched on the Polaro bit, which is that contributes to inflation. Um, you know, manipulation of, or sorry, inf inflation of prices in certain sectors contributes to inflation overall. Um, especially if it's in things like, uh, like, uh, volatile, more volatile prices, like food prices and stuff like that. Things that people need every day. But, uh, moreover, like it's a very, literally a deliberate attempt in the sense that Colombia, Colombian, uh, crime syndicates at the border are intentionally so colombia colombia is a nato country it's a u.s ally there's a there's a right-wing main ally there. in the region exactly mm -hmm. it borders venezuela and at the colombian venezuelan border there are uh there are currency exchanges and you can take u.s dollars to to um the the border give them u.s dollars and the colombian 
crime syndicates will give you a ton more bolivar than the actual exchange rate in Venezuela. So if you mm -hmm. go to an official Venezuelan currency exchange, you'll get a certain rate. That's how a lot of economies function. There's a black market for exchange in, in Central Asia in former yeah, Soviet yeah, yeah. states. But this was this is insane. Abby Martin, like I said, like went and she was able to get six times the exchange rate of that day. So that's that's an insane like rate. And like yes, black markets exist, but that's the fact that's not like six times like that's the thing it's like a six times inflation rate is not natural it, it has to be someone intentionally doing something that's just not like people could not transact people could not exchange money that fast it's like the same way in like weimar germany like prices didn't just naturally like explode it was because the german central bank was like printing off money like crazy like someone was behind that effort in the same in the same manner like it's part of an economic war, in my opinion, like, and based on, you know, things that Abby Martin has reported, these aren't natural rates of inflation, I don't think. Definitely not. And all you have to do is, as look, is look at who benefits from this high level of inflation. It's the fucking opposition. You know, whoever wants to make things worse in that country, and that's us. And by us, I mean, you know, our non-democratically elected... USA, the crime syndicate that is USA. Yeah. Um, but the fact is, is like, uh, even though this inflation is manufactured and even though these shortages of certain products are manufactured, um, some Venezuelans do blame the government for what's going on. But the thing is, is like, that's their business, you know? It's still a sovereign country. So even if all Venezuelans were like, fuck Maduro for this inflation, which, which as we said, is US-backed, and for these shortages, which as we also said, as U.S. back, even if they all blame Maduro, that still is not justification for Washington to, to be like, To change right. Wikipedia. <laughs> exactly. This Wikipedia coup, this Wikoopedia. The other issue that you hear a lot is that, um, you know, Maduro jails his opponents. Um, and But if you look at the people who have actually been jailed, the people who from the opposition who are in prison, it's people who have been involved in a coup plot to mm -hmm. assassinate Maduro. Like, yeah, those are the people that are going to jail. Like, if I try to assassinate Trump, you think I'm not going to jail? Like, can you imagine? Like, here we have peaceful protesters, like, praying. We with, just like, have one peace. sniper. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, here we have, have people snipers. just, like, walking around with signs, and police will fucking beat them up. And mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And jail people and tear gas them, like people with no weapons. In Venezuela, you had fucking snipers on rooftops. You had people who kidnapped Chavez. And the other claim that we hear a lot is that oh, Maduro doesn't allow any uh, opposition to like speak freely. There's no freedom of speech. There's no freedom of the press. You can't be anti-government in Venezuela. Um, but Empire Files found out that there are all these opposition papers operating totally freely. But the thing is, is like with Washington, it's really like, you know how they say like uh, your camera, the uh, camera, your <laughs> microphone. You know how they say like uh, if you if you say something enough times, you'll start to believe it, or like um, Guaido is at home looking in the mirror. <laughs> I am the president of Venezuela. <clears throat> I can do this. I believe in myself. My mom told me I was very special and that one day Wikipedia would announce me as president. Oh my god. And that's like Pompeo's looking in his mirror like, 
Juan Guaido is the president of Venezuela. Guido, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> but you also... The, the angle that I think is really missed by Western media is like, what do the Venezuelan people actually want? Because the fact is you have six or seven million people in the streets supporting the Maduro government. So right before the Trump administration's cute little coup, um, 86% of Venezuelans opposed military intervention. 81% were against U.S. sanctions on Venezuela. Um, and I got this from Ben Norton for, for the Gray Zone Project. <coughs> shout out but, to Ben Norton. Shout out to Norty Norton. Follow I'm sorry I broke your Twitter. phone that one time. <laughs> you broke his phone? I did. How, what happened? I dropped it. You dro- you fucking cracked somebody I, else's screen. Would you agree or disagree if there were international intervention in Venezuela to remove President Maduro from power? Venezuelans were asked this. 70% disagreed with international intervention. 20% agreed. 2% were not sure. Venezuelans were asked if they agreed or disagreed with dialogue being held between the national government and the opposition to resolve the current economic problems. So what they don't want is international intervention. Now let's see if they do want dialogue. 84% wanted dialogue. 15% did not. 1% not sure. Yeah, and so it is in Venezuela's history to have like a... Uh, they've had like shifting politics so much like several coups in the past 50 years so they're they're ready to sit down and talk they don't want violence right and they also understand that there are foreign like there that there's <laughs> what the word I'm that there are foreign tentacles in their country stoking Ooh, up violence. Tentacles. Yeah, I was, that's I was, the word I was you were looking fingers, for. <laughs> and I was like, that doesn't work. You're like, um, no, we no, have tentacles. tentacles. Yes, Walks a off finger. Carry a big tentacle. tentacle. <laughs> we have, yeah, we don't have fingers. Fingers can caress. Fingers can pleasure, but tentacles they will fuck you up. They that's what pleasant. they're more sinister. They're like kind of slimy and pre-loop. Do you think there's like? Did you ever watch any tentacle porn? Oh, I was we're just not, gonna we're ask. We're not talking about tentacle porn. No, <laughs> oh, yeah. I tuned out for you're a putting second. your foot down. He's yeah. putting his tentacle I refused, down. <laughs> I'm putting my. <laughs> Wait, can I tell an anecdote about tentacle porn? Yes. So I used to like work in at this restaurant um, in the West Village. It was called Sacred Chow, and uh, side note about working here we would drop food on the floor all the time don't trust any restaurant you go to it's usually filled with a 16 year old making eight dollars an hour in the kitchen dropping your bread on the floor just so she can take an instagram of the process Um, (laughs) like our boss would always bring his son in um his son was like maybe like 10 or like eight or nine or maybe 15 i have no sense of these things um but he was he would always just like come in and like uh, like play video games in the back and like one day my friend and I walked in on him watching tentacle porn that's the whole story oh um, yeah but the fact I, he was really young so it was weird he was like 10 I don't know he knows what he wants wait I've never yeah. seen tentacle porn Is it I tentacle? have in a kitchen <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
while you were eating. So I think the Other only thing food. necessary for it to qualify as tentacle porn is that a tentacle goes into the body. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, just to illustrate the In antipathy the of the Venezuelan people towards the U.S., when uh, in 58, when Nixon, Vice President Nixon, went on a goodwill tour, he was attacked in Venezuela. The news concerns the Vice President of the United States and his wife arriving by plane at Caracas to conclude a tour of South America. Apparently unperturbed by warnings of a minority, but strongly resentful anti-American sentiment, Mr. Nixon pursues the whirlwind schedule which typified his eight-nation Latin American tour. Hostility rears its vilifying head. The vice president of a good neighbor is lampooned. Brewing is the most violent attack ever perpetrated on a high American official while on foreign soil. That was the most violent attack. <laughs> wow, we've had it easy if that was the most violent attack in human history. We will assassinate a motherfucker, but... They... Not, not, not one of the most violent attacks that we perpetrated. So what most... happened in 58 was they, uh, they ousted Jimenez, this uh, military dictator who... Well, a dictator ran a military dictatorship during the 50s, uh, during, in the height of the Cold War, the U.S. backed these, you know, bloodthirsty dictators, and the uh, Venezuelan people paying attention also to Latin American policy or U.S. Latin American policy were just like, how dare you come visit us on a goodwill tour? We'll show you our goodwill with this big rock. Yeah. (laughs) What a terrible vacation for Nixon. Uh, can I just say, like, if anyone wants an idea of how popular socialism is in Venezuela, Juan Guaido's party, Democratic Unity, or mm-hmm. whatever it mm-hmm. is, or like, no, popular no, no, de- Popular Will, Popular Will, is technically a socialist party. It belongs to the Socialist International, which is like this social democrat organization internationally and it's technically registered as the socialist party it's obviously not a socialist party because their demands are to privatize venezuela's state-owned oil companies right it's a neoliberal party and public housing projects but because you basically can't run or hold office in venezuela if you're not labeled a socialist they are part of this socialist international organization. Yeah, so the Popular Will Party, uh, or Voluntad Popular, is this party that was founded by this dude. I forget his name at this point, but this dude went to Harvard. So why like, those party is obviously not socialist. They want neoliberal uh, reforms like uh, privatization of oil and privatization of the two million houses that the Maduro government built, public houses. They're not socialist, but they label themselves as socialists and they are part of a socialist organization because in venezuelan politics you can't run for office you gotta be a card carrying exactly exactly because socialism is synonymous with with uh with popularity and with the people and with governance there exactly you know what's funny about what Guaido, what guido's party is doing with the public housing so maduro's maduro embarked on this project to build two million public houses in venezuela and you know like we're here in washington dc where new housing projects go up every day but those houses are only for rich people in venezuela these houses go up every day but they're only for poor and working class people 
and the opposition's demand was to privatize these homes and the way they sold this to working people was to say hey don't you want to own your home meaning they, they would say don't you want a deed for your house because these people didn't technically have a deed for their for the apartments that they they were renting so what they're saying is oh don't you want a deed for your house don't you want to own it and that is that is their marketing pitch for privatizing homes they're gonna mm -hmm. say you know oh well if you want a deed you just have to pay whatever x amount of money and it becomes a loan and somebody else owns it exactly so you know they're using they all get these tricks out of ownership yeah. exactly <clears throat> so yes like you said this is not like the failure of a socialist society this is not as washington would have you believe you know cronyism or corruption oh my god the venezuelan government is so incompetent no, it's that this economy depends largely on oil, and so it was very much under this stranglehold by the U.S. for uh, quite some time. So we were able to ruin the economy in that way. And even if you were to ignore all the evidence of like the U.S. undermining this country, um, you still like you know, let's totally ignore U.S. imperialism in Venezuela. Like, you can't say this is the failure of socialism um, because it is a mixed economy. Um, because so much of the assets are still privately owned. The majority. Um, exactly. And also, like, China is socialist. China's fucking communist. Um, like, China has a way higher degree of central planning and nationalized industry, and yet it, you know, has, like, this amazing-ass uh, high-speed train uh, rail network and, like, all of these things that, like, um, are impossible to ignore if you want to critique socialism um, you would have to look at a country like China before you looked at a country like Venezuela because, um, like I said, like Venezuela is, is not, uh, you know, the state doesn't have that much of a role in the economy, it, even though it does uh, control the oil. Kay mentioned um, we've had this external economic war um, that usually like when you have uh, economic issues in your country, you solve this, at least in the short term, by taking on sovereign debt, right? But then, like you said, the U.S. stopped Venezuela from being able to get a loan. Um, and so it, it was impossible for Venezuela to buy and sell like any other country, like you said. And um, then we also, like we touched on, have this internal economic war where you have people hoarding goods. Um, we talked about the black market. And a lot of times, uh, these entities are working uh, with the U.S. to do so. Um, so internally, you know, some people uh, place blame on the Maduro government. Um, some people place a higher degree of blame on uh, the U.S.'s meddling in the country. But overall, like we really do have this, we really do have this mixed reaction. Um, as one example, like uh, some elements of the uh, military, you'll see corporate media talk about this. And, you know, and nothing else with no context, but um, saying that, like, uh, some people in the military are, like, uh, you know, supporting Guaido, but the top leaders of the military as of right now, you know, are very much supporting the Maduro government. So, like, we're not seeing a military coup, even though Washington has outwardly called for this. We also today call on the Venezuelan military and security forces to accept the peaceful, democratic, and constitutional transfer of power. But externally, we also have a mixed reaction. Um, joining the U.S., you have, uh, you know, Ukraine, of course, a country that, you know, you know exists because of a U.S.-backed coup. Mm. Um, Canada, you know, came out and said the Maduro government is a dictatorship. Uh, Brazil, <laughs> led by a fascist leader right now, came out and support the U.S. Uh, France, uh, 
Macron came out and supported Guaido, ironically enough, you know, he was like, oh, we got to stand with the Venezuelan people, uh, the people in the streets, uh, literally as he's, as he's ignoring the Yellow Vest movement in his own country. Spain, the UK, Colombia, Ecuador, Chile, Argentina. Um, and as journalist Dan Cohen pointed out, many of these Latin American governments that came out and supported Washington uh, in their support of Guaido are in power because of U.S.-backed coups, LOL. Canada, France, Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, Guatemala, Honduras, Panama, Paraguay, and Peru, all recognizing the non-elected president. Something to consider, many of these governments in Latin America are in power as a result of U.S.-backed coups themselves. Point one, Dan. So Pompeo uh, was like, yo, countries of the world, you gotta pick a side. Now it's time for every other nation to pick a side. Either you stand with the forces of freedom, or you're in league with Maduro and his mayhem. Of course, against this uh, coup and supporting the Maduro government, you have Iran, uh, Russia, who loans billion, who loaned billions of dollars to the Venezuelan government, uh, mines gold in Venezuela, Turkey refines it and certifies it. Russia actually came out and said that the fact that the U.S. immediately recognized this fake-ass president Guaido means that they participated in creating him from the beginning. They said mm -hmm. this means they have participated in creating this dual power. Um, also, you know, supporting the democratically elected government of Maduro, we have China. Iran, like I said, Mexico, Uruguay, Syria, Nicaragua, who, by the way, the U.S. is trying to coup right now. Um, I love the using coup as a verb. So that's... We've been cooking up some coup. We've been, we've been cooing. We've had the pre-coup. Um, Can you get pregnant from pre-coup? Bolivia's president, Evo Morales, uh, said, the claws of imperialism again seek to fatally wound the democracy and self-determination of the peoples of South America. Uh, so he's going to get CIA'd any day now. He's going to uh, get CIA'd? <laughs> well, that's a real thing. The New it, York it's Times a has, disease has I have. Tried, yeah. The New York Times has, has been putting out a lot of articles in the last few months um, saying that uh, so Bolivia's about to have elections and um, Eva Morales is likely to win those elections, but uh, the New York Times and a lot of other mainstream outlets have been saying, oh, Bol Bolivia is starting to have a democracy problem. Yeah. So it, might actually, <laughs> it might actually work in favor of Morales if, uh, well, maybe not. I mean, if he wins the elections, they'll say it's rigged, I guess. But um, Right, or we'll rig it. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly, right. Um, so that, that's, that's definitely something to keep an eye on because if, you know, if a coup in Venezuela is successful, Bolivia is the last logical target of U.S. imperialism. Yeah, 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 ooh. And of course, this is, you know, both Democrats and Republicans are fucking falling in line with this quote-unquote humanitarian intervention, Nancy Pelosi. She was like, America stands by the people of Venezuela as they rise up against authoritarian rule and demand respect for human rights and democracy. That's a boring-ass tweet. Let's pick that apart. Yeah, come on. It's just like, it's like she took the template of, like, regime change. Like, you just gotta throw 
Human rights, democracy. Stand by the people by getting rid of the person the people elected? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, human rights. Okay, Nancy Pelosi, you're really reaching now. Um, you could, li you literally have the power to push for health care for Americans. Like, you could stop people from dying right here in the U.S. Fucking 81% of American workers live paycheck to paycheck. Nancy Pelosi, fucking do something. You're a fucking shill. If you think about it, if we destabilize Venezuela, take away their socialistic government, and all the people die, we can eat their corpses, and then we don't need universal health care. Nancy Pelosi is advocating for universal food rations for the U.S. citizenry. Yes. Um, and then you have uh, politicians against this intervention, uh, coincidentally the ones that get smeared all the time by the U.S. corporate media, like Tulsi Gabbard, who said the U.S. needs to stay out. Of course, she was immediately smeared. Um, Ilan Omar said, quote, we cannot handpick leaders for other countries on behalf of multinational corporate interests. And fuck, she's absolutely right. This is definitely on behalf of, you know, corporate interests. This is not on behalf of you or me. You, like, we're not sitting around like, God, I that Maduro is really taking away my health care right now. Like, I wish he would just get out. So let's talk about what the Trump administration is fucking doing um, in concrete. Firstly, he appointed this dude named Elliot Abrams to deal with Venezuela on January 25th. Today, I am uh, incredibly excited to announce that a seasoned, principled, and tough-minded foreign policy veteran is joining our State Department team. Elliot Abrams is coming aboard to lead our efforts on Venezuela. Uh, Elliot will have responsibility for all things related to our efforts to restore democracy in Venezuela. It's a global challenge. Who is this fucking guy, right? He was Assistant Secretary of State for Human Rights under Reagan. He was in George H.W. Bush's National Security Council. He's basically this well-known neocon um, who was fucking deeply involved in the Iran-Contra scandal, actually convicted for withholding information from Congress, and then, of course, was only pardoned because of G.H.W. Bush. Some new reverberations today to President Bush's Christmas Eve surprise, the pardoning of former Defense Secretary Casper Weinberger and several others in connection with the Iran-Contra allegations. Yeah, this is hey. a dude that, like, goes back to, you know, Reagan Bush, deeply involved in the death squads in Guatemala, also in other countries, but in Guatemala alone, these death squads were responsible for the death of 200,000 people. Like, entire villages were fucking massacred. Yeah. We're gonna get into Guatemala. Don't... We'll do it different... Yeah, I won't get into... Don't blow your Guatemalan massacre load right now. <laughs> no, but when Elliot Abrams was asked about this on Charlie Rose, here's what he had to say. The fact that the CIA maintains relationships with intelligence people and military people in Central America and throughout the world is not news. The fact that some of them are pretty unattractive people is not news. All right. This is mass murder. This country should not be supporting it. If Americans knew about it, they wouldn't stand for it. Right. It is ludicrous. It is ludicrous to respond to that kind of stupidity. This guy thinks we were on the wrong side in the Cold War. Maybe he personally was on the wrong side. Uh, I am one of the many millions of Americans. Right. Mr. Abrams, I don't, you we're on the wrong side in supporting the massacre of, of no. peasants and organizers. What I want to do is, to I want to ask the following Absolutely. question. And that's a crime. That's a crime, Mr. Abrams. This man is, you know, very experienced in regime change. He participated in the attempted coup of Chavez in 2002. And, um, you know, John Schwartz for The Intercept really sums it up. He wrote this article titled, Trump's pick to bring democracy to Venezuela has spent his life crushing democracy. But yeah, this is a fucking attempted coup. The mainstream media is totally complicit. 
But the fact is, look, if you believe in democracy, you have to respect the winner of elections, right? This is the opposite of democracy, what we're doing now. People disagree on like how much of this is, you know, the US-led economic war and how much of it is internal mismanagement. But overall, um, the vast majority of Venezuelans agree that this cannot be resolved by fucking outsiders, namely from Washington. <laughs> I, I think it's important to point out that in Venezuela, like, you know, as Americans, we have the conception that democracy is just voting every four years and democracy is about um, elections and whatnot. But democracy <laughs> in Venezuela uh, is, is where they have a real democracy has, uh, you know, in, in the United States, uh, we tend to think of ourselves as, you know, the beacon of democracy in the world. But in Venezuela, there, there are these things called community councils, and um, the, the communities are actually responsible for carrying out the, uh, the mandate of the government and carrying out democracies. Hmm. In Venezuela, you literally have people in working class, poor neighborhoods, um, gathering under bridges, gathering um, on sidewalks, discussing revisions to the constitution. Venezuela is the only is one of the few countries in the world where you could go down the street. Oh, you and, could go and talk about the Constitution. Yeah, and 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 your neighbor could be the guy that wrote an article in the Constitution. In the United States, we can't say the same thing mm. because our Constitution was written by rich aristocratic slave owners. So you know. Yeah, when, we're when, not out here changing. You see it. democracy like, at work in the right, streets. Right. Exactly, because their democracy is a living, breathing thing where it has never existed in the United States. So I think, you know, when people are talking about, oh, Venezuela lacks democracy, like they need to think about the soil they're standing on. Exactly. Yeah. So let's and get rid like, of them all. Let's go to those countrysides. Let's go to those street corners. Let's cool them all. Get them yeah. out of here. And, and that's cool. actually something Juan Guaido <laughs> has been doing is recently they've been trying to send people out into working class neighborhoods to like talk to working class people and basically mislead Brainwash them. Brainwash them, yeah. Yeah, mislead them by saying, uh, you know, oh, you know, Maduro uh, has rigged these elections or he's he's corrupt, blah, blah, blah. Um, by the way, our constitution right? is fine. You don't need to change it. Okay. Exactly, because that is the strategy that won Maduro and the PSUV, the elections, in the first place. And also, like, aren't they employing members of the opposition? Like, I mean, isn't the opposition going out and, like, employing people to go into the streets and, you know, be anti-Maduro? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's been a tactic for the last two years is that the opposition is paying people to riot, paying people to commit acts of violence um, to elicit a, a response from, from the Venezuelan military and police. And then they have people point cameras at the military and police and say, look, they're, they're locking up political activists, so-called political activists. They're locking up um, opposition <laughs> yeah. leaders. So, you but know, it, the political activists are just like, we like the Constitution. <laughs> they're it, just like, yeah. don't change it. <laughs> exactly. Like They're just a bunch of nerds. They're nerds that have Molotov cocktails and grenades and they throw them at the cops and then say, oh my God, the cops arrested us. Um, the National Endowment for Democracy's webpage, which is uh, a group that was created, as journalist Eva Gollinger says, to do the CIA's work overtly, their webpage admits to interfering in Venezuela's internal Wait, politics. Wait, what's this uh, site? 
The NED, a foundation created by Congress in 1983 to essentially do the CIA's work overtly, has been one of the principal financiers, financiers of destabilization in Venezuela throughout the Chavez administration and now against President Maduro. According to NED's 2013 annual report, the agency channeled more than 2.3 million to Venezuelan opposition groups and projects. Within that figure, 1 million seven $187,300 went directly to anti-government groups within Venezuela, while another $590,000 was distributed to regional organizations that work with and fund the Venezuelan opposition. More than $300,000 was directed towards efforts to develop a new generation of youth leaders to oppose Maduro's government politically. We've got, you know, CIA hands everywhere. Everywhere from, you know, indoctrination and brainwashing to outright funding opposition groups. And if you follow the money, the opposition is pro-U.S. It's not pro-democracy. Like, you, we can't pretend that this is different than any of the other CIA-backed coups. Like, oh, this this one is for democracy, though. Like, this yeah. one's probably different. Like, no. This one's about fucking oil again. Um, you know, uh, well-meaning people have really been tricked into thinking and that this is And I love the smears against people who speak out against this. An economist at the Brookings Institute mm. said... He's very disappointed in progressive intellectuals like Boots Riley and Max Blumenthal and Rania Kalik who support the cruel Venezuela dictatorship that they ignore all public challenges of their views. Yeah, Brookings doesn't have any uh, conflicts of interest. Yeah, so Boots Riley is like, you are an economist at the Brookings Institute (laughs) (laughs) whose staff has many ex-CIA in it. Um, and you and the Brookings Institute have, uh, you know, advised the U.S. to starve countries and extort them to broaden corporate markets. So shut the fuck up. We talk a lot about oil, but Venezuela also is like really rich in gold. And like, obviously the U.S. wants those profits to flow out of the country too. Um... So yeah, whenever you see a fucking concerted effort to like tell you that another country's bad, just fucking question it, especially if you live in the U.S. Because obviously, um, you know, if if people in, if U.S. citizens are misinformed about the government in Venezuela and about what's going on there, we will be less likely to be outraged when our country ends up fu- fucking installing a coup. Mm-hmm. So what they have to do is, like, sow the seeds. Like, the media has to just, like, flood us with fake news for years about Venezuela. And now, guess what? No one's fucking mad that we just tried to coup another country. It's like, do we have fucking amnesia? Yeah, we've tried this so much in Latin America. It's it's not new to Latin Americans. But to us, we're like, oh, shit, Venezuela's got a mean guy in power. <laughs> People fall for this shit again and again. It's absolutely ridiculous. Falling for it. Everyone, man. Fucking everyone. Because people read the fucking New York Times and Washington Post. Not realizing that one is the fucking paper that sold us the war in Iraq, and the other is literally owned and operated by the CIA. (laughs) (laughs) This is a fucking imperialist war, and it's a racist imperialist war. Um, Like, the fact is, is that all the nations that are siding with the U.S. and recognizing Guaido are either the former, like, European, like, colonial nations, or they're the white-led Latin American regimes that are sometimes being put in place thanks to U.S.-backed coups. And Donald Trump, John Bolton, Mike Pompeo, and Bolsonaro. 
we're okay with two outcomes here. It's either uh, Guaido in power or it's Quagmire. We're right. fine with that too, we're as long as okay it's not somebody who's opposed to us. Who's installed? Who's yeah? Who's continuing social programs? Who's letting the oil wealth of Venezuela go to the Venezuelan people and not to the oligarchs and not you know to foreign powers? We hate that shit. So after these sanctions that were imposed by the U.S. basically made financial transactions impossible for the state and for you know these private firms in Venezuela, that's when they were like, all right, time for the euro, time for the yuan. Um, and that, of course, Washington no likey. If I just, like, got up and declared myself president of the U.S., Wikipedia would not fucking show me as president. It would just be laughed away, and then life would go on, and no one would have to, like, recognize me or reject me. It would just be a fucking joke. But when the U.S. is behind you, it becomes legit all of a sudden. And, like, the U.S., of course, does not have to, like, play by the same rules because we do have so much power... Of course, Russia and China are, like, coming up on us and starting to, you know, make this more of a multipolar world, but that obviously frustrates us, which is why we're getting increasingly desperate and being kind of a bitch. We're being kind of OCD Yeah, this is, I would thing. characterize the Venezuelan policy. I mean, you obviously know more than me, but I would qualify it yeah. as a bitch-ass <laughs> foreign policy. This is a bitch-ass foreign policy. This is what led to the murder of Gaddafi. This is just like punishing someone who would not align this is not we don't need venezuelan oil we don't exactly. need them at exactly. all it's not in our interest we just want to show maduro we just want to punish him for not doing Spit our bidding those facts and look i would categorize this as a hoe ass policy <laughs> okay small small correction all right, so let's wrap it up. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Wrapping it up. So Trump is basically continuing the imperialist legacy of Obama. This is imperialism with a humanitarianism sticker on it. And we've considered becoming a musical podcast. <laughs> if you hate it, let us know. If you love it, let us know. If you I say nothing, it. I'll continue it. So <laughs> I hate it. So it's not going to become that. You'll see. Uh, imperialist legacy of Obama. Right. Guaido is essentially a fucking traitor to his own country because the U.S. has like effectively transferred control of Venezuelan property and assets to Guaido. Here is Max Blumenthal asking U.S. Congress people what they think of the U.S. meddling in Venezuela. Do you think the U.S. is meddling in Venezuela? I don't think so. I mean, we're, we're the superpower in the world. Do you think the U.S. is meddling in Venezuela? Are they meddling? Um, yeah. Do you think the U.S. is meddling in Venezuela right now in their political system? Um, I, I, you know, I... I, I, I do you think Trump is running a coup there? Do you think John Bolton and Rubio are running no, a coup? No, I don't. I, you, know, I do, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't. Well, thank you guys for joining us uh, for this episode. Venezuela, it's been next Benny. episode. Uh, we did two coups in a row, so I feel like maybe three. We, we should do another maybe coup the next, next one week. we'll do it on, like, pigeon communication. Cool. <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to go jump out the window. <laughs> Michelle and Kay will do the sign-off. Thank you for listening. Viva la revolucion. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Long live Venezuela. Remember to breathe in through your nose. And out through your mouth, bitch. Walk softly and carry a big wadache.
tell Venezuela who to elect, you know? It is for John Bolton. <laughs> <laughs>